gonna dive into this conversation because i'm excited, I'm excited to talk to too. you to talk to you <laughs> <laughs> so y'all as she told y'all this is my mom this is tati hey beautiful people <laughs> <laughs> i'm so excited for this conversation because i feel like i would never have become a nanny if it wasn't for being raised by you um and honestly being supported through my little career or whatever. Um, and the people, the people want to hear from you. So um, let's start off by uh, telling the people a little bit about what you remember from your childhood, specifically childcare. Like what, was it daycare? Was it family? Was it, how were you cared for before you entered into school and or after school? So I had an aunt named Marco. We called her Ango. Um, you guys actually nicknamed her Ango. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to just call her Go. Really? And she was mom, my mom's oldest sister. She didn't have children of her own. So she was more or less the family nanny. Mm-hmm. I mean, she took care of all of us, all of my cousins, you know, my siblings. But from what I can remember, um, so when I was born, mom still lived at home with her mom. Okay. Ango lived there also, and so did Uncle Donald and some of the other family members. So it was very much a village, very much a community. When we moved, when my mom and I moved, my sisters weren't born yet, we moved to this place called Newtown 19. Uh-oh. And then it was named Boston Heights, and then it was named Admiral Oaks and something else. But So it was just Mama and I, mm-hmm. y'all call her Gee, and... Ango would kind of help out a lot, you know. I don't think I ever went to daycare. I don't know anything about daycare for myself. <laughs> nice. I know that the family helped to raise me. Yeah. And then when, you know, because Guy worked. And then when Tanel and Tania, my two siblings, were born, um, between Uncle Donald and Grand, you know, my grandmother and Ango, they all kind of helped. But Mama had to get child care. And mm-hmm. after school care. Um, and we had this lady, this little old lady named Miss Dorsey, <laughs> who used to take care of Kika, my mm. baby sister. And I'll never forget, um, Kika got her head stuck between the bars of the <laughs> railing, the banisters <laughs> on the step. And that's when I kind of told Mama, I don't think Miss Dorsey is going to be able to do it. <laughs> um, Tanel spent a lot of time over at Grand's. Um, so for me, I don't ever recall going to a daycare center or being mm-hmm. cared for by anyone outside of the family. When I came home from school, we were latchkey 
for the most part. I was the oldest. I am the oldest. So I kind of watched over my siblings um, from a very, very young child, as far back as I can remember. I loved that. I just kind of had this maternal instinct or something. I'm not sure, but I, I liked caring for children. And I felt like I was helping my mom a lot, you know, and I really didn't like strangers and a lot of different people. Yeah. Um, we had a lady next door who was a close family friend named Miss Mamie. And she was kind of like a surrogate mom to Gee. And she would look in on us and, you know, check to make sure that we were okay. But we literally lived next door so we could stay in our own apartment. And, oh, yeah. And nice. Miss Mamie just kind of checked on us. But as far as I can remember from about second grade, I was in charge. We I made myself in charge. Mm -hmm. I took care of my sisters. I did their hair. I made sure our homework was done. Um, just kind of took care of the house. I always cleaned up. I just, from a child. And, and in terms of fun for me, I'd like to play house. Mm -hmm. I'd like to, you know, we used to call it playing mothers or playing <laughs> mothers and fathers. That's what we used to call it. And for me, it was, you know, dressing the dolls and, you know, taking care of little people and so those are the kind of things that I've always done from a child and even when babysitters and other caregivers were available you know I would tell mom like I got it you know we don't really I don't I didn't like to stay over you know anyone else's house mm. or anything like that we let's we can stay home we good <laughs> I got it so until elementary school I really didn't have any kind of a institutionalized child care system hmm. it was just family and close friends that's good I think that's what's missing in a lot of modern specifically western society is the multi-generational village because every family is nuclear like they're mm -hmm. and and you know within themselves mm -hmm. which is wild um and it's funny that I say that because I'm a nanny and I wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for that sort of individual um, mindset that I feel like a lot of Westerners have but you know you really are missing the like the auntie just coming and picking up the kids and going or you know grandma taking a day and and for us having a nanny even a babysitter that, that was for the privileged we could not necessarily afford to pay someone mm -hmm. to come in and and care for the children or even you know to pay like another teenager or another friend you know to babysit it was costly for yeah. us in those days. And we didn't need that because there were so many close family members and friends. Um, we kind of kept things, you know, safe in terms of who in the family we selected, you know, and for how long, at what times they would watch us. But we couldn't afford really to pay yeah. the cost of childcare. And I think the concept of nanny too in my time was more, or at least we thought it was more, um, involved more house management and, and all of those things. So as African-Americans, where I grew up, we didn't really need or want right. anyone to come in and clean our home and, and all that kind of stuff and take care of our children. A lot of, actually your grandmother, my mother was a nanny. She started, Which I just learned, I would like to say, a week ago. I had no idea. Yeah, she went to New York City from Annapolis, Maryland, in, in search of a better opportunity and embarked upon this journey to care for some children. I want to say it was a Jewish family. I don't remember. But she said the family was really, really good to her, really mm -hmm. nice. Um, but unfortunately, she got ill. 
and had to go back home for a while. And they welcomed her to come back. But she, for whatever reason, I didn't get to the bottom of that. But she chose not to go back. Um, but I definitely would say Ango and Miss Mamie and, of course, my grandmother. All of those were the people who showed me how to care for children and, and how to love on children. And I think I took it a step further and kind of brought in the educational piece and, you know, all of that. But in terms of just babysitting or just, um, it was always friends and family. Mm -hmm. And there is that privacy aspect that I feel like we have as African-Americans. Like we don't bring people into our homes at all a lot of times, you know, especially if we're not going to be there, especially just having access. Like, when I think about my job, like I have the keys, I have the codes, I have the access to everything. And I always have. Um, and it's so funny because I could never imagine mm -hmm. you doing that. <laughs> and honestly, us. I know that I couldn't do it. Privacy is one thing, but I think um, lifestyle being different mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, as a preference, I'm, I'm one to be intricately involved in the care of my children. You know, even having to send them to school or whatever, I want to know what's going on. I yeah. want to see and hear as much as I can firsthand. And I think different different people, particularly privileged people, people who prefer nanny-type child care, are not necessarily that concerned about those intricacies. Right. They just want to know, you know, no one is falling on a steak knife. You know, <laughs> little Johnny is getting shuttled to where they need to go and they're having their at-home time and their play but for me I want to know what did you play how did you play did you put all the pieces back mm -hmm. you know did you win you know I felt like um especially when you guys were born this was an opportunity for me to kind of experience what I don't think my mom got to experience mm. you know or even her mom in raising children because they always had to work outside the home and they always had to kind of hustle you yeah. know and you miss out on some really really fabulous times you know some really good nuggets and also for me even at that point I couldn't really afford to pay somebody to take care of my children yeah but what did you do about it so <laughs> I became a nanny but not necessarily a nanny. I started in home child care. And the reason I did that is because you were already born mm -hmm. and you were not quite a toddler yet. And my mom was keeping you, um, helping out. And I was working in a medical field, believe it or not, um, at Columbia Free State Health System. And I had moved up from um, medical records to front office. And I was actually working for my OBGYN who delivered you. <laughs> And um, it was just an eight-hour work day, but it seemed like forever to be away from your new baby. And when I would see you in the afternoon, I mean, literally, you looked like you had been riding in a car all day. Well, I had. And <laughs> you would be all messy, but you were very happy. You were happy, but I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a permanent situation for your grandmother to care for you. She was helping me out. Um but I just decided it was it was painstaking for me, you know, to be away from you that much and then try to come home and capture, you know, because if you miss the first, you miss the first. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and so my love of children and there's a teacher in me. I've, I've always wanted to educate and I always wanted to kind of rear children. So I thought, you know, win win, you know, best case scenario, 
I'll stay home with my child and I'll take in children Mm -hmm. that I can help care for for other parents who are in a similar situation. Um, So we started out in our apartment and it was just you and one other child. His name was Andre. I did not know it started before we moved in the house. Oh, yeah. It started in the apartment (laughs) in Bywater. I didn't know that. And my first child, um, his name was Andre. Mama called him too too tall. tall (laughs) Because he had this little, he was extremely tall for a toddler. Mm -hmm. And he had this little walker that he literally towered over. (laughs) It was so funny. Um, He's grown up now, fast forward, to be fabulous musician. He was a minister of music at First Christian Church for a while. Um, So I had Andre, and I would get his older brother sometime after school. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the children just started coming until I kind of busted out of the apartment. Um, And at that time, I think the ratio was one to six. I think we were only allowed to have six, including your own. I think that's how it went. Um, But the Lord blessed. And we were able to find a nice brick ranch style home with a basement in Hillsmere Shores of Annapolis. And that's when I kind of went full throttle and created a business and gave it a name and it was called wait for it Tuffy's Tiny Tots yes but they don't even know that that was your nickname and I don't really necessarily care for everybody to know oh my bad it's it's a childhood nickname that (laughs) I inherited from the womb I was named Tuffy from the womb because apparently according to my mom I was a difficult pregnancy and a difficult delivery so she named me Tuffy from the womb Um, But I also have a first cousin whose name is Tiny. Actually, Tiny is my second cousin, really, whose name is Tiny. And she had a daughter around the same time that I had you. So I had Amber and Tiny had Laquel. And when we moved to the house in Hillsmere, um, Tiny decided to kind of help me a little bit, partner with me a little bit. So first it was going to be tough and tiny. And then it was going to be something else, something else. But it it turned out to be Tuffy's Tiny Tots. Um, And by that time, I had eight children under the age of two. Like. And it was the best time ever. You, but you, like, I think it's worth mentioning that you are a very special human when it comes to your love for children and your desire to be around children and to take care of children and to converse with children. Like some of my approach is literally just based off what I remember you know how you used to take care of us and it's so interesting because now it's like a big thing like talk to children all day long and engage them involve them in regular life but like you were always doing that and I wonder like where did you get that knowledge from Ango was a big part of that it came very natural to me Mm -hmm. um, in our family during that time prior to you guys coming when we were coming up Everybody was having babies. Mm -hmm. And so I have a lot of cousins. Literally, my mom is one of eight. And all except two of the children had children. Mm. And I had a lot of cousins. And the way we interacted with one another and the way that the grownups interacted with us, it was mostly organic. You know, um, there were those adults in the family who kind of may have believed children were to be seen and not heard, but right. not really so much. Mostly it was, you know, give them their space. Don't get on their nerves. They're just coming home from work, that kind of thing. But Angle talked to us all the time and listened and waited to hear what we had to say mm-hmm. and kept us engaged in conversation. My mom talked to babies 
all the time. Um, she talked to us as babies. Grand talked to us. So it was, it came natural to me. I babysat a lot um, as a cousin, you know, in the family. And so I just always believed before it became cliche or slogan or whatever, that kids are people too. I always saw children as people and I already, I always realized that they didn't really ask to come here Mm, and that (laughs) because they're here, they shouldn't feel like they're a burden or -hmm. like it's a problem. Like, and I would get upset with, you know, some in my parentage or some adults that I knew that would make it seem like this kid or this child is a problem to you, you know? Um, So I didn't want to be that person. And it was amazing to me. I tell everyone just observing you guys and just being in a room with you and just spending time with you, how I learned to care for you guys taught me mm-hmm. what you needed. Cause the child will let you know if they can't ask for it, they're going to emote in some way. A child will let you know. People think a crying baby, you, Oh, is he hungry? Oh, is he wet? Or does he need, no, if you tune in and pay attention, it doesn't take long to be able to communicate effectively with a child. Yeah. But you are, you still are magic, I think. Like, I remember oh, when we would be at church, y'all, we would go to church. <laughs> and I was like eight, nine years old. You know, I was not a baby anymore. So I'm sure you were like, I want a baby. Um, but if there was a baby within three pews, that baby ended up on your chest every single time and they were always happy a lot of times happier with you than with their parent like and you were still able to engage and enjoy service and you had a baby on your chest and two kids sitting next to Mm -hmm. you like it was never an issue for you and nowadays you don't see that I know I definitely used to be the baby whisperer and I don't know it was mutual the child would kind of gravitate towards me Mm -hmm. I gravitate towards them sometimes the parent if the child was a little fussy or if the parent was a little, the parent wanted to be able to engage in praise and worship or, or just yeah. tune into the sermon and you could see the frustration sometime and all kids were cute to me. Mm-hmm. All babies were beautiful to me and I would just kind of reach out and they would just, you know, um, I rarely gotten rejected by a child. Um, most, I've never seen it. Most of the time, like I said, it was mutual. Sometimes I'm playing with them or making eyes or saying something before, you know, the exchange. But the other part of it is is that I got a lot of love, you know, where I may have not have gotten it in other areas of my life. I can honestly say from the time you guys came all the way through your adult life, I, I just was so complimented and so um, blessed, you know, I, I enjoyed parenting. I wish mm-hmm. I could have done a much better job um, and I wish I could have done it under different circumstances from time to time. But I was never this parent, you know, how you hear them say, I need a break mm-hmm. or these kids are getting, I mean, I'm not going to say you guys never challenged me in ways, <laughs> but I didn't need to separate myself from you right. to, to deal with it. You know, because I'm already gone working all day. And so I'm happy to come home to my kids. You know, yeah. it was just I think it was just a gift. I think no, it was something. because that you have to understand how unique you are in that regard. And I always think about like what I might be like as a parent, because the way my life is set up <laughs> when I get home from work. I, just like I'm sitting on this couch, I'm sitting on mine. Um, lately, I've been doing a lot more with like podcasting and stuff, but 
I am drained from my day. And it's, you know, it's unique because I do work with children, but I always wonder, like, how do parents face their whole life, I mean, their whole day, their whole career, commute home and then get out of the car, make dinner, do baths, do bedtime, pack lunches, like all of that stuff. And you did it, I mean, by yourself for the most part. How did you maintain that like magic of relating to us while dealing with such circumstances? Because I didn't know as a kid, you know, but looking back, like things could have been a lot different. Well, shout out to you and your sister. <laughs> I will say, honestly, you guys learned early on what was happening and I engaged you. You guys helped me a whole lot, even if it was to not be in the way at times. You guys read the room very well. And you picked up, and I was a stickler for routine. I, I really liked, you know, keeping things really simple and wrote and mechanical and routine. So by the time, you know, we moved to Lithonia to the house on Marbet, you guys were waking me up in the morning. Mm -hmm. yeah. You guys were, you know, you, you, you trained me to understand what you could handle as a child and what you could not. Mm. And so my work as a mom became a lot easier and the focus had kind of shifted. I still took the joy. So on Friday nights, you know, we'd come home and we'd have our Friday night lineup and that's mm -hmm. where we would have our screen time together as a family and take sit out. down and watch TV. We'd order takeout. We catch up on the week. Um, we always had Sunday dinner. Yeah. We always had most dinner meals together. Mm -hmm. Things like that you get the benefit of your labor. You get the fruits of your labor. You know, it was hard. It wasn't always easy. And intermittently, you know, my mom um, would come. Sometimes she lived with us. Sometimes, you know, she helped to care for you guys. But it was always my children. And it was always my responsibility. And I never wanted to shirk that. I never wanted to absolve myself of that responsibility. And I think if a lot of parents would tune in a little bit more, they would see and understand your kids will help you a lot. Kids know when you're over it. They understand when you need a minute. They understand when, you know, I didn't make a whole lot of promises or threats, right? Everything for me was a surprise because I never wanted to disappoint my children and I didn't want anyone else to disappoint so until I got it all the way together in my head and knew that I was going to be able to do the fun thing or even the not so fun thing, I didn't even speak on it. Mm -hmm. And I think that was helpful to me as well. And when I did, you guys were so receptive, you know, because by this time I had tuned in and figured out what y'all liked. All I had to do with, for Kia was get a book, <laughs> another <true>. book, <laughs> a couple more books. And for you, it's music, mm -hmm. you know, and. I watched what you guys had an affinity for and what you gravitated towards, and I fostered that. I nurtured that. And so your punishment or your reprimand would have something to do with that. And it wasn't difficult because you guys weren't bad kids. And I know that people shouldn't even use that terminology, but I can honestly say I was blessed with very compliant children. Um, yeah. Even when you were disagreeable, you, you would rather pout alone you would separate yourselves. I didn't have to send you to your room, you know. So I was blessed, and I and I, I thank God and I thank you all a lot, especially during the difficult times. Yeah. You guys kept it together, and it was very supportive to me. It made me look good. Y'all made me look good. <laughs> 
But I feel like you kept it together too. I mean, like there were times where you were working 50, 60 hour weeks. We were in school. Um, we were latchkey for a time, but it was never anything we couldn't handle. And you would still come home and talk to us and engage with it. Like it was, you never like came home and went to your room, which is what I feel like I'd be wanting to do. <laughs> and I don't even have any children, so. I think honestly, during those times, Amber, we were helping each other. Mm. We, you know, I looked forward to hearing y'all stories and the episodes of what transpired throughout your school day and after school. And it was always a story. Mm-hmm. And you guys had the best stories. And y'all like to tell the stories the way I like to hear the stories. To this day. From the beginning, <laughs> not leaving out any detail. Um, so I look forward to that. That helped yeah. take the edge off for me. And I would share some of my stories of things mm-hmm. that happened at work or, you know, what was going on with me, you know, and we would all pass out together, yeah. you know, and we'd get up the next morning and get back on that grind together. And it was a joy. I, I can honestly say I feel for some of the parents who don't realize what they're missing or, or what is it. Because you don't get those years back. You don't get those moments back, you know. Um, so that's where I added value. I, I, I valued my time together with you guys. I can remember one time when um, I didn't have any money was broke down, okay, all the way down, but still trying to create fun and exciting things for you guys to do. And you remember when I put the plastic out and I put the dish liquid and the- um, We had a whole back like to a school slip and party. Slide. It was like a homemade slip mm-hmm. and slide. And the it was neighborhood lit, came, like Everyone all of the kids came. came. Mm-hmm. And I think I might've spent $40 or something, hot dogs. Like it didn't even call, and we had the best time. I, that is a core memory for was me, actually. Was that not fun, though? That is such a core memory for me because I, first of all, I did not know for the bulk of my childhood what our fin- financial situation was. Like, I knew that there, we weren't out here buying, like, name brand necessarily or, like, you know, having lavish vacations or whatever, but it never felt to me like it, what it probably felt like to you. To you know God what I mean? be the glory, honey, because we was broke. I know. <laughs> I know that now. I can say (laughs) this, though. Um, It wasn't. It was it was paycheck to paycheck. And it was, you know, juggling, wanting to afford you guys certain opportunities. But at the same time, you know, not knowing. But if you guys hadn't been receptive, for example, to that little makeshift slip and slide <laughs> thing and my little yeah. front yard barbecue that I threw. It was so fun. Then oh my gosh. it would have negatively impacted me. Mm-hmm. But because you guys was like, oh, this this is what we're doing. It was fun and everybody enjoyed And I was like, oh, okay, I'm not such a bad mom after all. Not because I ever thought I was a bad mom, but because I couldn't take you to mm-hmm. the amusement park and do it. But I wanted you guys to be equally as amused. I wanted you to have that good time. And that taught me, like, Name brands, you guys never <laughs> complain to me yeah. that we don't have name brands, right? Mm-hmm. And so that kind of let me off the hook. I mean, as long as it was, you know, decent and clean and press and, and whatever. And I think... We if, was cute now, y'all. We was cute. Oh, yeah. We was a set up. <laughs> if we look back at some of the pictures now, you know, the styles were different. But I think if, if, we had got, if I had gotten caught up in that and started it and could not continue, right. it had been more of a problem. Yeah. So I didn't even start. You know, just like certain viewing, I censored from. Oh my gosh, y'all! 
there was nothing we watched that she did not sit next to us and watch. If we were watching TV alone, it was a repeat of something she had already vetted completely. That like the the concept of like kids just having apps and iPads and just, you know, entertaining that never. And I don't know how you found the time because like I said, you worked a lot. Um, and you were very involved in church and like all this stuff, but there was no, we were not just going and turning on a television. And it's so funny because now I have to catch myself with my nanny kids because in my mind, it's like, why do you have the remote? Why are you choosing the selection? Why are you? No, like that's not how this works. So I have to, you know, meet them in the middle sometimes, but. What was helpful to me, one was that, um, you guys really enjoyed reading. You were both very avid readers as children and you love to explore through other means so tv was kind of like almost almost like a treat almost like the icing on the cake mm -hmm. and i mean we grew up on you know sesame street and all. i took y'all to sesame street mm -hmm. um with my daycare tuffy's tiny tots we had a whole field trip it was the bomb <laughs> um but television has started changing in those years when you guys right. were being reared and, and it was just different stuff that, <laughs> you know, I wasn't used to. Mm -hmm. um, and so I kind of, I censored for, for both for you and for me, because right. I'm trying to see what this show is about. And at the same time, I, I don't really want you to get hooked on any nonsense. Right. And it, my favorite term, I used to say devilment. Mm -hmm. So I just, would watch, you know, and see. And if I didn't like it, I didn't want you to like it. And it didn't matter why <laughs> you didn't like it. This is this no. is the part that was hard for me as a child. I will say, you would be like, nope, and I'd be like, but what's the problem? You would be like, nope, <laughs> and that was that. That was the end of the story. But to your credit, those who are leading the charge in like less screen time or no screen time or whatever, a big proponent of their. Um, approach is if you want them to watch television watch it with them co-viewing is beneficial um so you was you and there's so many doing. options you know um a lot of the messages during that time to me were subliminal mm -hmm. so i wasn't going to take the time to sit and try to explain you know to a nine-year-old or a seven-year-old or 11-year-old why i don't want you to watch it because like I said, it was a, more of a subliminal type message, and it, and it had a lot to do with society and what was going on in, in the world around. And I wanted to be more involved in helping to shape your worldview than you just getting it from TV and TV shows and different yeah. things. But now we had our go-tos. We had some shows that we all loved and watched together all the time and were enriched by, mm -hmm. or if not just entertained by, right? So it, I don't think it was that much of a loss. I don't think you... Even now, in certain shows, if the if the theme song come on, I have watched you we can and run your it sister down. If as the Simpsons, adults dun, literally just dun, turn dun, it off. Dun, turn it off. Roseanne comes on, turn it off. Like there are so many shows that would uh, were paired, I guess, on the network mm -hmm. with a show that had approval. And as soon as that theme song came on, it was like moving on. And to this day, like Rudy's always like, "You never seen that?" And I'm like, "No." <laughs> But you know, Amber, we used to turn the TV off and play games. I know. Or chit chat or, you know, know. do something. Y'all didn't miss anything. You no, really didn't then. miss it. Then, no, not And it at was all. similar to me for video games. It was like, number one, I didn't quite understand. I was about it. to say, what video games? Here's my we... disclaimer. <laughs> I re or here's my confession, I should say. Honestly, I didn't really understand it. I was never 
technologically savvy. I was never a, a Trekkie. I was never into sci-fi, any of that. So I didn't understand video games or anything. Also couldn't afford them. Yeah. Also only had one TV and you're not hooking nothing up <laughs> to my TV. And also didn't want there to be yet another two to four hours of screen time. Yeah. Like you're just going to sit here and play. The, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> I can't buy it. I don't understand it. We're not doing it. And you guys did not miss it. I think I remember when you first got a Game was Boy. Was it Atari? A Game Boy. Not Atari. I'm not that old. I got a Game Boy when I was like 14. <laughs> and I had two games. It was Frogger. I can't remember what the other game was. Because I, I think it was Zelda. But I never understood it. So I just... <laughs> I played the Game Boy like three times. And by the time y'all even got exposed to those things or, or were able to have it, y'all didn't even really want it. Because like we, because like you, we didn't understand it. Like even now, Rudy has a Switch and he's like, babe, let's play some games. And I'm like, I don't know. I just push button. I don't, I don't know what it does. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I will, I will say um, nowadays where we did use TV sometimes as kind of like a sitter right if you're trying to get something done and you have already pre-censored and approved the viewing and you'll let the kids watch tv while you're doing laundry or making lunches or making meals or whatever um so we've been guilty of that i think every generation and since tv came out yeah. has done that right but i will also say that nowadays i think our children are challenged with being able to just sit and not have a device or not have a distraction because all day, all day, every day from the classroom to the home scene in the vehicle, they have something, mm -hmm. a, a iPad. A, 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 I don't necessarily subscribe to that. <laughs> I, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. I think a child should be able to get somewhere and sit down and be quiet and have nothing in their hand for at least 15 or 20 minutes, mm. period. My kids can do that. You should have heard how I got yelled at by a six-year-old yesterday um, because we had, so I gave permission to play 2K. The boys played 2K for like 20 minutes. It ended in almost blood <laughs> being drawn. Wow. Um, so then I was like, that's done. We'll do our regular movie Friday. We watched an entire movie. And then it was time to go outside. So we were outside. We were, um, and he came up with this great idea to um, decorate cardboard and make like racetracks like we used to do when they were younger. And I was like, this is dope. Like, let's do this. So we're doing it. And then all of a sudden, after he had like drawn out his track and stuff, he laid it on the steps and it did not immediately do what he wanted it to do. And instead of working on it with me, he was like, I want to play the game. I want to have my iPod. I want to watch TV. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, that's tough um, because that's, it's a it's a go to for entertainment and for fun. But it's also a go to because I can do this successfully without, you know, being challenged or without. I mean, you could lose without the, trying hard. Yeah, yeah. I can just sit and push these buttons. Yeah. And then for me, it's hard because <laughs> as an adult. I am into screens. Like, I won't even front. Like, I my phone is in my Same hand. My here. television is on. Like, I need at least, if I'm driving, I need a podcast. Like, I mm -hmm. can't, I don't do well with focusing um, myself. So part of me is like, 
you know, I don't want to hold you to a much higher standard than myself. But the truth is, if your brain is still forming these neural pathways, I don't want you to end up like me because I didn't watch that much screen time. And I'm still at 34 glued to my phone all day. So imagine if I had, you know, now I want to hear your perspective on me and my career choice. So my first question is, when you sent me off to Duke University, was there any part of you that thought I was going to come home and end up in childcare professionally? Absolutely not. <laughs> I was very, very surprised. Yeah. Why mm -hmm. was it so surprising? Well, one, because while you were at Duke, I don't know if it was an internship or if it was part of your site curriculum, but remember when you were working with the children at that? That was work study. America that, Reads, America Counts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't get the impression that you were overly excited about that or that you were really <laughs> enjoying that. And so from that, I think I just kind of also we never really talked about what what you might do, you know, with psychology or with that degree. I think you were um, more of, you know, not magna cum laude, not summa cum thank laude, you, laude, but Holly thank you, Ooh, Laude. Glory. And, and mm. I didn't want to... Um, you know, influence your decision. Um, and I didn't want to really ask a lot of questions at the time because I, I kind of didn't think you knew. I kind of didn't think you had those answers. So I was extremely surprised. I knew you were, you know, had aspired to go to New York. Um, but because of the artist in you and because of the musician in you and because of the other friends, you know, base that you had, Nanny was the last thing. <laughs> I yeah. actually thought you would be doing in New York. I thought you may end up, you know, singing or even singing and acting or, or doing something in the entertainment arts um, field. So, yeah, I was blown away. <laughs> I was completely blown away. Not in a negative sense, though, because I love children and I, I love the idea. And I think I was supportive. Yeah. Um, but you didn't. There was not a lot of conversation about it there was not a lot of discussion about it um I mean I, I didn't know either for for what it's worth I I think going to college was a very sobering experience for me because I was one of those kids that was just bright and could get through school easily um and of course you know you had your standards because <laughs> you had your standards academically and I kind of leaned into that and when I got to Duke I was like, wait, guys, hold on, slow down. Wait, what? I, wh huh? So school was really, really hard for me um, just because I don't know if it was public school education. I don't know if it was being educated in a public school in Georgia. I don't know what it was, but I did not have the tools to learn. Um, I, I have a photographic memory, which that's how we got out of there. Um, thank you, Lord. Um, but as far as like just the, the habit of studying and, and really absorbing the information and, and critically thinking about it and all, it was a lot for me. And I liked tutoring the kids, but the way the program was set up, it was just a little too, um, too lax for me. So I never felt like I was connecting with specific children. It was mm -hmm. like every day you would go and it would be like, sit here and read with this kid for like 20 minutes, um, which was fine. And then I intended to use my psychology degree to, to help children with learning and behavioral disabilities because I don't think we mentioned this earlier, but 
you are gifted in that area. You were the person who could take care of children who other adults found difficult, um, who professionals would diagnose and probably medicate. Um, you were always able to connect still and to understand and, you know, to meet their needs. So I was like, well, I'll do this from like a very intellectual standpoint. But I took a class <laughs> that was like a case study class and you had to basically be the advocate for the child mm -hmm. in a family that did not see them. It was too emotional. I was, it was, these sure. were hypothetical situations and I was losing sleep over it. So I was like, oh, I see myself as doing that long term. But when I took my first nanny job, my first baby, I just fell in love. And, and I feel like I found, that was my first time learning that other adults are not always kid people like my mom. Mm -hmm. and I am. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so there's a place for me to sort of be almost like a liaison, like to help communicate between the parents and the children, to interpret the kids, to teach the kids to communicate for themselves, to their parents, mm -hmm. to their peers. Um, and so it really was at the end of that first job where I was like, am I going to get a real job, as they call them, or is this where I belong? So... To be fair, I didn't know either. <laughs> I I remember the conversation, a very brief conversation, about the children that you were tutoring. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, and I think I have admitted to you, the special needs children that I reared had not necessarily been labeled at the time. Or diagnosed. I think I, or yeah. diagnosed. I think I learned in hindsight. Um, actually, some of them did end, end up... Um, being medicated, you know, being diagnosed with um, ADHD and um, some other learning disabilities. But I think for me, the reason I didn't have that medical acumen, I didn't have that knowledge. I think the reason it worked for me with them is because I didn't know. Yeah. I had no idea that they had special needs. I tried as best I could in love and, and in fun and in community with the other children to meet their needs. And they were never really singled out. They were never really, um, even the ones that cried and even the ones that had different, it, you're just a kid to me, you know, this yeah. is just you being a child. So I think when I did, as they got a little older and the parents, you know, um, conceded to me in some instances and was like, well, yeah, you know, he's going to need Ritalin or yeah, she's going to need... Okay, if that's what you want to do. But by this time, I was convinced that they didn't, mm -hmm. you know, because at that age, and this is by the time most of the children left Tuffy Tiny Tots, they went on to preschool and and, and elementary school and, and did well. Yeah. Um, I think it was more of a situation where you're in this environment where the student-teacher ratio is now exponentiated and mm -hmm. the time frame in which you're expected and required to be still and to be quiet and to, you know, it's more and the kids weren't able to engage as much. Um, and so I think it was a little bit unrealistic if you ask me right. for a child to be able to sit still in their chair for two hours or whatever ridiculousness. And so for mm -hmm. me, because I didn't know that there was a problem, I didn't address a problem. Right. Um, but it also, when you started out with Dylan, um, it helped me to understand that what I was doing 
that kind of got into your spirit or into your psyche or whatever was effective because not just because they were privileged and and could afford a nanny, but because you were able to transfer everything in you that you to this one child that you couldn't with the children in your right um, work study program to connect, and then you started to get some some validation and some. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So it started working for you. It is so beautiful. It's mm-hmm. so beautiful. But yeah, if anyone had told me, because I, I grappled for a while with, you know, the, because the connotation of nanny or the understanding of nanny almost was like just domestic worker. And it was like, okay, so you went all the way to college to get this degree to do this. But it didn't bother me. Right. It, I never, did I ever no. act like or say that? No. It didn't bother me. I love the fact that you had choices, mm-hmm. right? And I also love the fact that you chose to work with children. Yeah. Even when your sister started working with children, it just, it, it validated something in me mm-hmm. as well. There's so much value in that. There is so much. When you touch the life of a child, particularly in love and of your own choice, mm-hmm. in a way that they know you care for them, it don't get no better than that. It I think really that's the doesn't. most gratifying. And some of the gratification is somewhat delayed at times, right? <laughs> but I honestly believe and will always believe that's the most gratifying experience in life. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. And I distinctly remember in my first job, we got to a point where, because I had studied developmental psychology, but typically the sort of early childhood section of that is is limited uh we're thinking about education right when we think about how children learn a lot of times in western society we limit that to a classroom setting and um achieving goals and hitting milestones in that way so i did not come from school thinking i'm going to apply all that i have learned to newborn to two-year-olds or you know anything like that but I distinctly remember we got to a point where my baby was napping on the couch next to me we was fine we was chilling her parents liked it that way but her grandmother and I will never forget this lady said to me no I think she said it to her daughter she was we were all in the apartment together and she said you have a nanny let her do her job this baby can sleep in her crib And it was so funny because she said it as if my boss was stopping me at the time from implementing you know my approach and stuff. And I was like, wait, what am I supposed to be? And so that's when I really got into, you know, learning more about babies and wake windows and all that good stuff. Um, and we got her it in one week, everything was as grandma would have liked it. Um, and I was so proud that she was so proud because again, we never really talked about the fact that I was not, I was just chilling. Um, but when she saw that I had gotten the baby like good on her schedule and sleeping in her crib and stuff like that, grandma was like, see, you should have let her take over from the beginning. And it was just like, Oh, thank you. And I was like, how many other families can I help in this way? You know? And you were the first person to mention the term sleep training to me yeah, in a way as a thing. Um, but similarly, similarly, I, because a lot of people were like, how could you have eight kids under two and, yeah. you know, do all that? But I did the same thing. But the kids help you. And I do think that the term nanny, I think, has evolved now. I think the connotation has has grown into a little bit more than what we, or at least I, originally thought mm-hmm. as, you know, domestic worker, house manager, you know, house care. 
But I also think it's so special now because when you hear nanny, when like some children call their grandma's nanny or yeah. nana or parents, it's actually a term of endearment mm-hmm. to me, right? And it and it denotes a closeness and a care, like us, like my own personal person that got me. It's yeah. my nanny. You know what yeah. I mean? Which is a really, really special thing because to me, having the village that I had, having Ango, you know, was the next best thing, right, to my own mom or whatever. Well, nowadays in this society, in Western society, where the privileged can afford to bring in that type of care, having a nanny is the next best thing. So yeah. you're getting the professional care, right, and, and, you're, and you're getting the opportunity to do all the things you want to do, like if you have a professional life and, and all of that, and you want to work full-time and all that. But at the same time, your child has a person, like that's dedicated to them yeah. that, you know, and spe- spe- specifically from babies to, you know, about two years old, it's like the next best thing. So I look at nanny and, and, and nanny-type care as endearing, you know, um, and special to the child, because if I can't have my parents, you know, I got to have my own person. Mm-hmm. Kids need that, you know. And I'm glad that you decided to be that for so many. I mean, how many How many have we raised already or reared? I think we have eight or nine. Yeah. Let's see. How old One, is Dylan? Two. She's 12. See? Uh, 12 years. 10. I'm at 10. Wow. I'm at 10 That's amazing. Kids. That's amazing. And you were fully invested and you spent a significant amount of time with each of them. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah. I'm proud of you, Amber. Oh. I'm extremely proud of you. I don't probably tell you enough. I love what you do. I love Thank the ways you. that you do what you do. I know um, I was not cut out for a nanny's life. <laughs> um. In the ways that you would have to work in the home with the families and things like that, I could do what I did and was blessed and successful because I had autonomy, I think is the right word. Um, and I did not have to deal with the parents yeah. as much in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the end result for both of us was beneficial in that we got to impact the lives of these little people and watch them grow and, and become who God made them to become. And I think the the best thing you could have done was incorporate some of your other gifts and talents into your nanny's life because you're a gifted photographer and because you're really great with your phone and because you know how to capture moments and you're artistic and you sing. And so the kids are getting all that good stuff from yeah. you. Just, you know, mm-hmm. it's so endearing. It's so special. You it know is. you the bomb. It, thank you, mama. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get it from my mama. But yeah, that's the thing about nanny life, that it can be a hurdle for many. Um, and I think ultimately it's responsible for the amount of turnover we tend to have in our industry, is that we have two sets of clients. We have these parents who desperately need childcare, but then you, the children are client too. And a lot of times finding the happy medium or the compromise between meeting the, the needs of the parents who are writing your paycheck, so mm-hmm. they're entitled to, you know, wanting a certain type of care, but then also being there for the kids in a way that they feel like you're there for them mm-hmm. rather than you just come here because my parents tell you to. That is the biggest challenge. 
um, and and sort of finding that harmony, that balance is it's a lot. But once you find it, when you hit that stride, oh, my goodness, I cannot tell you. And like even my job now, I never thought I would work with a family for this long. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I used to be you once you turn two, yeah. I'll see you later mm-hmm. because it does get more nuanced and more complicated to co-parent because the some of the subject matters, some of the issues mm-hmm. that arise are just not black and white, like sleeping and bottles are, you know, um, but I've found a way somehow to meet as best I can the needs of these three little people and the people who created them, so... I'm proud of that. And I think the good thing for you is you have, I mean, it's 12 years, right? And yeah. and you have proof positive experience that what I'm doing works yeah. from the children and the parents. So that gives you more freedom and, and more opportunity to assert yourself, um, in terms of childcare and and how you do what you do, yeah. because I think a lot of people, particularly if they're hiring a nanny for the very first time, it's kind of touch and go. It's kind of yeah. sketchy. You're not sure, but when you're getting someone that can show you, you know, just very easily um, how they've been able to, you know, work with the children, boys and girls alike, you know, young and old, you know, from infancy to two to three to six to, you know, it's, it's amazing. And, and I, if, if there's anything I could do to support you more, it would be for you to definitely toot your horn a little more. Me? I I want you to feel and know and understand. You were just telling me about one of your parents that's always saying, thank you, always saying, thank you. When people take good care of your children, it just, you know, as a parent, I don't think there's anything more special. When I know you took really good care of my child, my child had a good time. They had fun. They enjoyed. They learned. They did well. Like, that's just everything to a mom, you know, everything to a dad. And I need you to get that. I mean, because it is difficult making sure both of the clients, the parents and the children's needs are met. Right. But when you do it, that's that sweet spot. And and I think when the kids validate, Mm -hmm. you know, by behaving or by delivering or by, you know, continuing to do the things that we're trained to do or by sharing that we had a great time and all they validate for the parents. That's like best dollar I've spent. You know what I mean? Best decision I've made. Yeah. And I am grateful specifically in this job that I have felt from day one, I have felt like I was trusted. Um, I think a lot of families find that part hard because, and I get it. Like mm, these, these are your children. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been in a job where day one, the parent was like, leave, you don't have to stay in the house. I don't need to watch you. Mm-hmm. I trust you, whatever, whatever. Um, and I think that really did sort of set the stage for our relationship, um, going forward because without the autonomy that I have in this position, I don't think I would be able to live the life that I live, you know? I've been able to introduce the kids to you and my partner, and they come to my house. They know Gee, like we talk on the phone. Me and Beans call her almost every day. Almost every day, and I love it. <laughs> I look forward to the phone calls. Yeah, and they, they, do. you know, they get some of our language, some of our culture. Beans will say, "Have a blessed day" before mm-hmm. she says, "Have a good day." Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think that has meant a lot to me personally, more than I, you know, really talk about because I don't feel trapped. I don't feel stuck. And I don't feel as insignificant when I can show them this is my life. This is how I live. Now, they they have jokes sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. my child came to my house and was like, you don't have any steps in there, but that's okay. <laughs> that's your house. <laughs> you know, um, mm-hmm. but they get to learn that. You know, it helps to shape the worldview. Yeah, like happiness is not just a gigantic house right. and a billion toys. And right. we can be happy just in my living room, watching a movie, eating Chick Fil A, whatever we did. You know, and I, I never forget when one of your children um, either went to your, I don't know if it was your home now. I think it was the townhouse and saw the guitar. Oh my goodness! And yeah. Then you got to start playing guitar with them or piano. playing piano with them mm-hmm. or I mean those are a lot of pluses the record player you oh know? my goodness think about it yeah and some of those things I think most parents were probably not introduced to their children at that age they would probably wait a little longer a little older you mm-hmm. know or whatever so it's just so it's so beneficial I can tell you this now there was a time when I thought maybe you weren't going to expand and evolve and continue Mm -hmm. as a nanny as you have um but I was so really really happy to see you because I didn't even know that it was going to be all this like I didn't know either I mean and (laughs) you know just having the opportunity to meet some of your fellow nannies and some of your people in your network and in your business and in your industry and seeing how all of you are so complementary to one another and how everybody needs what you have, you know, and for you to be able to ex- establish a place where people can talk mm-hmm. about a nanny's life, the life of a nanny and, and the things that go into actually deciding to be one or not to be one, right? right. It's, it's rich because I don't think, I'm sure maybe somewhere along the line someone else has started a conversation, but just watching you and listening to your podcast and listening to conversations and meeting people. It's, it's so big because you guys are really investing and strategizing and thinking, how can we be better yeah. nannies and be better at what we do and better about who we are and who we are helping. Like there's a lot of thought and consideration going into that. And I don't know that everybody on the outside gets it yeah. and realizes that this is intentional. Yeah. And that's why, I started this podcast. That's why, you know, I use the platform. Um, That's why I have the website, because I think Nanny Life has been such a secret society for eons, you know? Mm -hmm. The nanny used to be somebody that you hide in in the basement of your house, and you don't tell people that someone is helping you raise your children. And then the nanny doesn't really get to talk about their experience, because they have to be respectful of your life and, and... Invisible. Yeah. So um, I just want to make it more visible, more mainstream, because we, you know, we have these ideas of what a nanny is like in our brain. And it's typically like polar ends of the spectrum of what nannies are really like. You either have Mary Poppins or Nanny McPhee Mm -hmm. and like no in between. But like there are people like me, Amber (laughs) Noel, (laughs) you know, just, you know, a regular degular nanny, you know, doing my thing. Um, But yeah, I I think... um, one of our industry leaders, Jada Rashawn, always says, make noise in the nanny industry because we can talk to each other until we're blue in the face, but that's not going to elevate the industry. We have to talk to the general public. We have to get the message out there. We have to be visible, you know? So that's what we're trying to do. 
I love it. I absolutely <laughs> love it. I am here for it. I can't be more proud of this young lady. I'm telling you. Thank You've you. done more in 12 years in, in your industry than some people have done working a job for 20, 25, 30 years. It, it's constantly growing. It's constantly evolving. Yeah. You're constantly exploring. You're researching. You're learning and just adding and sharing a wealth of information. And, you know, social media helps and having some of these platforms and these other things helps. But the ability and willingness to share, yeah. right, and, and to spread the love around is awesome. Thank you, Mama. You're welcome. Well, I feel like I owe who I am to you in such a big way. I feel like my life could have been way different if you were any different. So I'm not going to get emotional, but I'm so grateful that you are my mom and that you raised us how you did you did such a good job um especially considering the circumstances so i want to give you your flowers too because you you are magic i appreciate (laughs) that and to god be the glory i had a lot of help between my faith and my children just you guys came out of the womb just just being great um it's been a it was a labor of love that's what I'll say. So thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you. You know, parents, we all always wish, you know, we could have done more, could have said more, could have had more. But it just occurred to me just in this moment to say what we're doing even right now is the more. Mm. You're a parent for life. Mm-hmm. And so you don't stop parenting because a child reaches a milestone or 18 years old, or 21 or 25 or 30. You just parent in a different way. And even our parent, mother, daughter relationship, parent, child relationship kind of is evolving and Mm -hmm. changing in different ways, which is a beautiful thing, too. So we don't necessarily need a do over. We just need to keep on doing. Yeah. Right. And I will say now, my estimation, being a parent of adult children is far more difficult. (laughs) People are like, I can't wait till they grow up. Yeah. I can't wait till they can put on their own shoes. I can't wait till they can... Tra- no, I'm, 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 don't rush it. Don't rush it. Enjoy the little people while they're little people. Because when they get older, you're going to have to understand you had a hand in raising this person. <laughs> <laughs> Who they became has a lot to do with you. Wow. And then you got to deal with it. So yeah. just enjoy the journey. Right. And I love it that our journey continues. And I love it that we are here talking about this journey as mother and daughter. This is beautiful. And you know, bless me today. Thank you so much. I'm so glad because I feel like I call you every morning and I call you every day when I get off work. And some days I'm just like excited to talk to you. And some days I'm like, you, I need to unload. Mm -hmm. And you're always there. You always listen. (laughs) And even when you don't agree with what I end up doing, because there have been conversations where you have been like, well, don't do that or don't be there or don't, you know, over the years. And even when you don't understand why I'm like, all right, I'm going to go back tomorrow. You know, you're always there for me. You're always very supportive. Um, and that, you know, you've been an anchor, I think, for my career because you never gave me pushback on being a nanny, but I've gotten a lot of other questions, a lot of eyebrows, a lot of confusion, and it really should not have taken what it took for people to be like, all right, cool. Like for, for some people, you know, family members, friends, even some of my classmates, it took me being able to buy a home, me being able to buy my vehicle, me being able to 
start a podcast and be on the internet talking about my nanny life. It took all of that for them to be like, this is valid. Mm-hmm. And I don't want nannies to feel like they got to do all of that to be validated or affirmed in this beautiful work that we're doing, you know, like, like you said, it's a choice. I, I, my tagline used to be nurturer by nature, Mm -hmm. childcare by choice. Mm -hmm. And it really very much is a choice. And as long as we make that choice, people should respect it. And people should be grateful that there are still humans who make that choice because in today's society, we, there is a sacrifice, you know, in order to make that choice. Absolutely. With regards to compensation, with regards to time management, with regards to just, you know, socialization and how people are choosing to live and move about. But, I mean, to me, it's so fundamentally, if we don't get it, the children are our future. Mm, like we, yes. we are rearing people that are going to be citizens of this globe that are going to contribute. If we didn't ever see it or know it, we should know it now. That's you right. know what I mean? And I think that because it's a choice, it's you're putting your heart and your soul and your mind into, into something that you want to do. But it's also better received. Kids know the difference between mm. you wanting to care for me and you having to care for me. They kids do. know the difference. They know. You know? And, and kids know the difference between, oh, this is just your job, you know? And and I'll even ask you. Oh my goodness. You know? <laughs> or oh you you like it's my birthday and it's a Saturday and you don't even have to work, but you came, you chose to come to my birthday party. Like that speaks volume. That's the kind of thing that I think a lot of people don't understand about yeah. interacting with children. Those little memories, you'd be surprised how impactful gestures like that are. They could be sitting in a college dormitory or a classroom or on a job and think, you know. The one person I know who showed up for me mm-hmm. was my nanny, mm-hmm. you know? And so I love it that it that it is your choice. Yeah. And and I choose to ride along with you <laughs> for as long as I love. You know, when you guys call me in the morning and, and when you call me in the afternoon and when we recap, there's a lot of similarities between what you do and what I do mm-hmm. nowadays, right? And we get the opportunity to share and exchange. So... There's not this, because sometimes I'm like, well, I wish I could be over there with you and the kids, right? <laughs> and, and sometimes I'm do. like, give me a computer. <laughs> you know, but you just learn to 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 value and to appreciate the fact that you have that choice and that you've made that choice. And some days, you know, you could choose again. Like today I could choose not to do <laughs> yeah. as much or do all the things or whatever, but all my ultimate choice is I'm all in this, right? Yeah. So where we may do arts and crafts, you know, three days out of the week, two of those days we may not. Mm -hmm. And that's fine, too, because children are going to see and know and understand this is how life works. You don't get the, you know, sometimes the party stops, right? And (laughs) sometimes we have to, you know, pivot, as they say, you know, the new term. And I think kids are the best people to do that with. Yeah, for sure. The best people. Even if they throw a tantrum, even if they cry, even if they're disappointed, they come around so quickly. Mm-hmm. And you don't ever hear about it again. Yeah. And grown folk, that's something different. And that's honestly a big um, oh, a big challenge for me as the adult taking care of children is how quickly they come back to center. And I'm like, wait, no, because you what you just said to me, you know, and mm-hmm. having already that, on from that. that emotional intelligence to be like, all right, moving on. It's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I tell you, kids will teach you yeah. a lot of things, show you a lot of things. They have a different set of coping skills, a different a different mechanism, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and if you pay attention and you foster it correctly, they will grow up to be well-adjusted. Mm-hmm. And, and it really makes a difference. Even you and your sister, very different. I think um, emotionally sometimes, I think... Your thought processes are similar, but your reaction and your responses are very different. Definitely. So I had to hone in, yeah. right? I try to kind of keep it even to make it easy for me because I was one and they were two. But taking into account and realizing that if she's still dealing with it, then I need to kind of stay there with it a little bit longer. Mm. But if she got it and moved on, yeah, then we'll keep it moving. Yeah, Tati uh, remembered something she wanted to share with you guys about when she should have known who I would become. Well, yeah, because when you asked if I thought or knew that you would be a nanny, and I said, absolutely not. I, but my mind went back to when you were in my daycare <laughs> as a student of Tuffy's Tiny Tots and how you literally took over. Um, you, okay, I am your mom, so there was that part, and it was in our home, it was so my there was house. that part. Yep. But you also um, were like, my helper but you kind of took it to the next level like if you wanted to do something i remember you would go around and tell her but we're going to do this we're going to get all the kids on your side or we're not going to do this we're not going to do this if it was clean up time you know i would start the song clean up time clean up time and you'd be like come on come on so we get up to the next thing and you just you took over like you really took over threatening the children she was something else she was something else and got me a little embarrassed at one (laughs) Do you know what's so funny, though? Mm -hmm. Hearing that story reminds me so much of my eldest nanny kid. Mm -hmm. And those are the exact things where I'm like, can you just not Mm -hmm. manipulate the situation? But it's like I'm getting back. Even though he's not mine, I feel like I'm getting back some of what I gave you. You were running. You were running our little school. (laughs) You you were running it. But you were also extremely nurturing then, even to the younger ones, you know, to the little ones, because Akia was a baby and she was. She nursed a little longer than most babies may she have sure nursed um, and a little bit clingy. And, you you know, you were so assistive, but also insistent, mm-hmm. you know, like, take care of Kitty. But I'm going to help come you. On. I want to help yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Come on and let's get this done. So that was probably the first telltale sign that, you know, she may end up taking care of children, too. Definitely being a leader. Yeah. Definitely being a leader. Yeah, I re- my first memory of like taking care of babies. You probably don't remember this, but one Sunday we were at church, and you remember the Mays family, mm-hmm. and I asked to go home with them. And this was not something we did. We I did not go over people's house. My mother, the answer was always no, like ninety nine point nine 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 percent. But for some reason that day, I don't know if you were tired or what, but you were like, go for it. And I had to be like eight nine. I'm not that much older than. Their kids, but I remember their oldest baby because that was why I wanted to go. I wanted to hang out with the baby, and they left me in the like we were in the living room, just me and this baby. But the baby was in the swing, and her parents had gone. I don't know. I guess they were changing, like getting into comfort, comfy clothes or whatever. But I remember yelling out, "Can I hold her?" And they were like, "Sure." And no one came back to make sure I did it right or anything. And I scooped baby Jay out of that swing, and I was just like. Person. Like, I vividly remember that day being like, oh, I like babies. Yeah, yeah. And babies like me. Yeah. You know? We love babies. We do. We love babies. <laughs> and babies love us. Yeah. Yeah. So, if I could do anything 
different, I probably would have gone back to childcare, mm-hmm. you know, um, but it would have had to have been while you guys were still really, really young. Yeah, for it to um, make sense, right? Yeah, because that probably was one of the most fulfilling, if not the most fulfilling, you know, jobs that yeah. that I had. You were so into um, it. You used I to was. put on those plays. I was. Say your part, yeah, Amber. Yeah, say your part, Amber. <laughs> I enjoyed it. And my kids, you guys were so easy. For you. You know, it, it was just, it was a lot of fun, even when it wasn't scripted, even when it was scripted, right? It was just, just watching them interact and, and agreeing and disagreeing and doing, it was fun. Yeah. And even then, my little village, my cousin Tiny and my mother and my cousins, Kim and Tony and all of them, you know, everybody kind of pitched in, you know, yeah. I would put on these little productions. I had graduation ceremonies. I had field trips. I had like it the was whole intense. nine. Like we did a lot. We did. We did a lot. I don't know how you did it. It was beautiful. With all those times. I had a people. great time. I had a great time. Well, Tati, I want to thank you so much for sitting down with me to have this conversation, for opening up your home as you always do. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. It's Um, been my absolute pleasure. I'm honored. Yeah, thank you so much for... You wanted to talk to me, but I was like, okay, (laughs) this is great. Yeah, because I think, you know, the more I talk to caregivers and nannies, most of the people who have been on this podcast either have a family member who is a domestic worker... (laughs) Or a teacher. Like, a lot of times, it's a legacy. Mm. You know, we come from somewhere. Pe- mm-hmm. People don't typically, like, just randomly decide, I'm going to now deal with babies exclusively. So, I liked hearing all their stories about their parents, so I wanted to talk to my mama. Good genes. Good genes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I am so honored. I am so proud. And I just admire you, and I look forward to all of the beautiful and wonderful things that God has in store for you as you continue this journey with your entire nanny's life. You know, (laughs) all of what you're doing, not just your podcasts and and things, but, you know, in in the care of the children and everything. I just can't wait to see. I just love how you're just blowing up, girl. I love it. Thank you, Mama. I'm here for it. I love it. I love you. You're the best. Thanks for coming over and thanks for having me. Yeah. Anytime, y'all let let us know if you need Tati back for a part two. If y'all want to do a Q and A and learn more about me or about her, absolutely. Because I got some stories for you. <laughs> Not too much on me though. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thank you, friends, for tuning in to another episode of A Nanny's Life podcast. It is not lost on me how special it is that you spend your time listening to me talk about things. Um, and I hope that you have had a good week. I hope that in this coming week, you're able to take care of yourself as well as you take care of the other people in your life. Um, And don't forget, moms are magic. Listen, put some respect on mamas. Happy Mother's Day, all of y'all. So much love. Y'all take care. Happy Mother's Day. Bye. Bye. See